0: What is up, EWU Crew? National parks are a great way for families to have fun in the outdoors and appreciate America's natural wonders. But do these popular vacation spots have a secret dark side? Since their inception in 1916, over a thousand people have gone missing while visiting national parks, many, seem to vanish into thin air, leaving no traces whatsoever for the authorities to follow. Thus, countless cold cases remain unsolved, law enforcement left with no leads or evidence to explore. A quick search on NPS.gov shows a chilling list of some of these forgotten faces and the stories behind their disappearances. National parks spare no expense on security guards and rangers. In 2010 alone, their budget for park protection came at a whopping $368,698. Criminal activity is closely monitored and kept in check. This has led many people to believe that the cause of these disappearances lies somewhere more sinister. Numerous theories involving paranormal activity in our national parks have gained traction among online communities seeking to uncover the truth about what could be causing all these people to mysteriously go missing. Today, we will be looking at five paranormal activity theories that attempt to explain the strange cases of five unlucky individuals. Number one. Alvy Webb. A family of hunters noticed that a member of their party, 86-year-old Alvy Webb, had gone missing one morning in October, 2019. Authorities searched high and low for any sign of the elderly man, but were left empty-handed. Almost a year later, there still seems to be no explanation or evidence surrounding this strange case. However, we were able to speak with a hunter whose family happened to be in the exact spot where Webb went missing just one month after the event. Tommy Miller, AKA Reddit user Warwick Vet, frequents a community on the site that delves deeper into these national park disappearances. And that's where he first shared his chilling story. Miller, agreed to tell us more about his family's hunting trip to San Juan National Forest. They'd planned their trip well before hearing the news of Webb's disappearance, but had unknowingly chosen the area where Webb's family had suffered the tragic loss a few weeks before their arrival. The Miller family wasn't too concerned. They were experienced hunters and knew they'd be safe in the forest as long as they were careful. But not too long after setting up camp, things started getting weird.
1: You know, everything was going fine. We set up camp and we we're at like 10,000 feet. And we set up camp and we were eating and sitting around the fire uh, after hunting briefly that day. And all of a sudden a helicopter starts, you know, we could hear a helicopter coming up. You know, it just kept getting closer. And then eventually it was circling us and it was super low and it had no lights whatsoever. So we couldn't see anything. I, my brother said that he saw the silhouette at one point, which I just learned that the other day. But I never saw anything. I, I mean, I, could, I couldn't feel the downwash. It wasn't that low, but it was super low and uh, completely dark. And so they, it basically circled us, circled our campsite for i don't know two or three times and then it just went off and was you know hovering around somewhere else and then eventually it would you know we couldn't hear it anymore um and we thought that was extremely strange because even you know a helicopter in this is mountainous terrain they're going to be flying that low with no lights whatsoever and maybe there's an explanation but i don't i don't know what that is and So we thought that was weird, and of course then we went to sleep, we went hunting the next day, and uh, then that night again, same thing happened to us. Another helicopter came, or maybe the same one, and basically did the exact same thing. Circled us, no lights whatsoever, and then took off.
0: But the dark helicopters wouldn't be the last trouble Miller and his family came across on this hunting trip. They started to hear and see things in the woods that seemed a little off.
1: Once I got back, I, for whatever reason, I ended up watching Survivor Man Bigfoot. And mm-hmm. it was interesting, it was going along. And then it's like one thing after another started applying to what we were seeing up there, which I didn't necessarily know before were allegedly signs of Bigfoot and stuff like that. So uh, I think the first thing was. Basically, these—at least on Survivor Man—they said if all these trees, little sapling trees, are broken over in the same direction, it's like a sign. And so I was just thought, huh, that's weird, because uh, I saw those all in that that area we were hunting, and they were all in the same direction. I at the time I thought, oh, that I guess maybe snow made them all snap over or something. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." I saw that up in Colorado, and then it's like the next thing I saw or I heard him say was, "Bears don't make uh, scratches higher than like six feet in trees," which I'm not sure how true that is, but I guess he would know since he's Survivor <laughs> man. <laughs> but uh, in some of the, I was I was in this area where there was scratches all over all of the trees and some of them were over like eight to ten feet tall. and I have a pictures a picture of this. So they were way up there. and if it's you know if what he said was true, then that is a little strange that there would be eight to ten feet tall scratches on the trees.
0: Although he found these markings a little strange, Miller says that at the time he simply brushed them off, thinking they were probably caused by bears that were common in the area. It wasn't until much later, when he was home from the camping trip, watching a Survivor Man show, that he realized all the signs he had seen were adding up to something more.
1: The final thing that made me just like talk to my dad and brother about it was they had this uh, Bigfoot researcher guy on there, and he was saying how this area he was like researching in uh, no longer had Bigfoot activity. Because uh, he heard like some, he saw like people camping out in there, in in that area, and then he heard a bunch of bunch of uh, gunfire, and then this helicopter comes in and picks him up and takes him off, assuming takes the people off that were shooting the guns out there. He said the helicopter was completely black and there, there was no lights whatsoever. Which is as soon as I heard that, I was like, wow, that's all these things are just lining up with <laughs> what, what happened to us up there.
0: Miller started to piece the puzzle together. All of this evidence would be concerning enough, but adding Webb's corresponding disappearance made it hard to believe that these events were sheer coincidence. If the creature behind those tall scratch marks and huge paw prints was to blame for Webb's case, was it Bigfoot himself? or some other reclusive beast we know nothing of? And what reason would these helicopters have for flying so low to the ground with their lights turned off? We asked Miller if he thought the aircraft were specifically monitoring him and his family those two nights.
1: They definitely circled us. I mean, and you know, it's completely dark out there and we had a
0: campfire. And the theories behind those menacing helicopters? Miller shared some valuable insight with us. He explained that it's not uncommon for ranchers in Colorado to shoot at helicopters that fly overhead because of a troubling history of these ranches being harassed regularly by black helicopters. All of this strange aerial activity might have something to do with the frequent cattle mutilations that occur on farms in Colorado. Our episode on Skinwalker Ranch covers similar phenomenon affecting cows in Utah. So it's no surprise that these two adjoining states are experiencing what could be caused by paranormal activity. To this day, Webb's case remains unsolved by authorities. It's nearly impossible to find even another theory as to exactly what caused him to suddenly vanish on that October morning. But Miller's first-hand account and proof of the strange happenings in San Juan National Forest shed some light on a situation where authorities and the public alike are in the dark. And they offer some insight that could potentially spark some reinvestigation of the National Park and the mystery of what happened to Alvy Webb. As for Miller, He plans to return to San Juan National Forest with his family in the coming years.
1: I'll go back. I think, uh, you know, if you're protected with the right gun and, (laughs) um, you know, a GPS locator, I hope that's enough to be safe out there.
0: But for anyone planning a visit to this Colorado National Park, it would be wise to keep Webb's disappearance and Miller's findings in mind and stay prepared for whatever you might encounter out in those woods. Number two, John Doe. Here's a chilling statistic. An alarming number of individuals that go missing in national parks were last seen in areas that coincide directly with a cave system. This photo shows the correlation between the disappearances and the map of the caves. One famous case of an explorer getting stuck in one of these caves was Floyd Collins, who was working in a small tunnel within the Mammoth Cave National Park when he found himself wedged in the narrow passageway 55 feet below the surface. Although rescuers worked hard to save him, he tragically died from lack of food and water just three days before their two-week recovery operation was successful. Collins' case was a national phenomenon and his body was eventually extricated from the cave system. But if a well-known and advanced cave explorer can be lost forever to the unforgiving labyrinths of American cave systems, just how many of these unsolved national park disappearances might be attributed to similar causes. In October, 2010, the temporary disappearance of a three-year-old boy showed just how sinister these complex cave systems could be. It also suggests some level of paranormal interference as the frightening tale the child told of his time lost in the cave cannot be explained by earthly knowledge. Because of his young age, the boy's family has not released his real name to the public, and he is commonly referred to as John Doe in the media. So that is what we will be calling him. The family noticed their toddler's absence early in the morning, but it would take them and the park authorities of Shasta Trinity National Forest five gut-wrenching hours to locate the little boy. Fortunately, he was found lying in the forest grass, dazed and confused, but physically unscathed by the ordeal. It wasn't until weeks later when John's grandmother, Cappy, was talking to him back at the family's house that they would discover the horrifying truth of John's recollection of those five lost hours. Out of nowhere, John blurted out that he didn't like his other grandma, Cappy, His real grandmother didn't know what to make of this and asked him to explain. She could never have guessed what would come out of the boy's mouth next. He said he had been taken into a dark cave system by a woman who looked identical to his grandma Cappy, except this woman gave him an icky feeling. She allegedly led him into a room infested with spiders and demanded that he defecate onto a piece of paper. Scared to death, Little John had refused, looking around the room to see what looked like humans scattered all around the cave. But upon closer inspection, he had realized that they weren't humans at all. They were incredibly realistic robots. Soon, the imposter, Grandma Cappy, began to emit a harsh glow she started telling John that he was actually from outer space and had been artificially inserted into his mother's womb before his birth. The rest was a blur, but apparently the old woman eventually relented and released him back into the woods, where he remembers waking up to see his family's worried faces. This case has become a hot topic among those who attempt to theorize over the disappearances of missing persons and a common complaint with John's story is the questionable credibility of such a young child. However, John's story would prompt his grandma Cappy to come forward with her own story, and the two combined are nothing short of blood curdling. She had actually gone camping with a friend to the same spot a year prior. One night, they both awoke far from their sleeping bags, feeling violently ill and having no memories of what had happened in the previous few hours. The cause of their ailment? They both suffered huge spider bites to the neck. Like San Juan National Forest, an abundance of Bigfoot and UFO theories have surrounded Shasta Trinity National Forest for years. However, the paranormal cave system that played a part in the stories just discussed may hold the key to far more disappearances than we know in American national parks and across the whole world. Number three, Charles McCullough It was 1974 when a 19-year-old photographer hitchhiked alone to Crater Lake National Park in Oregon. He was a free spirit with a passion for photography and he planned to use this adventure to hone his skills. But like many hikers who chose the risky path of going it alone, McCuller sadly went missing. Many people had seen him within the past week, including a friend who let him crash at their place before heading out to the park. Unfortunately, because he wasn't scheduled to return to his friend's house for a few days, the search for him couldn't begin until his concerned friend reported him missing. But by then, it was probably much too late. At first, authorities seemed to attribute his disappearance to negligence. They assumed he had changed his projected hiking path and fallen victim to the region's harsh weather. However, as the investigation continued and the actual weather patterns at the time of McCullough's last sighting were considered carefully, the police realized that this theory was increasingly unlikely. Instead, they reluctantly revealed that this incident might well have been the result of foul play. After a whole year had passed and the extensive searching had long since faded out, two unsuspecting hikers made a mistake they accidentally strayed off the trail in the same spot McCuller had, leading them to the remote area that nobody had thought to search. There, they found his abandoned old backpack. Not long after they reported this evidence, authorities could follow their directions back to that spot and finally recover McCuller's body. However, what they found was shocking. All that was left of him were the bones of his feet in his socks and shattered shin bones poking up in his jeans. The pants were otherwise empty and the rest of McCullough, from the waist up was nowhere to be found. Various theories were thrown around. Had he been dragged here by a murderous hitchhiking host and left for the wild animals? Or had he gone mad from hypothermia and started undressing irrationally Two popular theories of paranormal interference could come into play for this case. First, some people suspect the involvement of fae, or humanoid fairy creatures that live in the wilderness and sometimes interact with lost travelers. They are known to steal human clothes because of their penchant for bright colors. Additionally, they've been said to go after athletic and gifted young men specifically which would perfectly describe the talented photographer slash hiker that was McCuller. When we consider all the ways that McCuller's disappearance aligns with typical Faye behavior, it isn't a far cry to consider that these troublesome creatures may have intentionally led the traveler off the main path and caused him to become lost. The other theory stems from the sheer distance that McCuller covered in the unforgiving weather. He was found 12 miles from his original location. Mountaineers question if it would have been possible for him to go that far by himself without proper equipment or even snowshoes on a day when seven feet of snow blanketed the ground. This inexplicable anomaly combined with a grotesquely broken shin bones discovered has caused many theorists to assume the worst, a Sasquatch attack. It makes sense that a creature that large and brutal could snap human bones and drag a body long distances through the snow with no problem. The beast would have had the foot shape and height necessary to traverse the snowy terrain easily, and it may have been due to bad luck that McCuller stumbled into its remote territory. We may never know what happened to McCullough that day, but these theories have worked with the evidence we currently have to deduce these plausible explanations. However, we can only speculate what happened to this lone traveler out in the snow that day. Number four, Stacy Ann Aris. Many times when people go missing in national parks, they seem to literally vanish into thin air. One second they're there and the next they're gone. Thus, perhaps the most popular theory amongst online communities has become the portal theory, which asserts that interdimensional holes are opening up that transport these people to another realm of existence. Some theorists believe that these are caused by extraterrestrial beings with advanced technology, while some claim that the government installs them to abduct people for testing purposes. One of the most famous national park disappearances seems to align perfectly with the portal theory. Stacy Ann Aris, a woman who traveled to Yosemite National Park with her father and four others to go horseback riding, vanished one summer afternoon in 1981. She had gone off alone to take a picture of a nearby lake, and a tour guide says he last saw her standing on a granite slab of rock, and then she was gone. It seemed as though Aris had been wiped off the face of the earth. Search parties combed the park fruitlessly, finding nothing but her abandoned camera lens. The significance of her last known location is crucial. Granite has been known to play an astonishingly frequent role in missing person cases. Many hypothesize that the quartz within granite rock generates an electrical force that may have the potential to open portals that could be responsible for these instantaneous disappearances in relatively open areas where it shouldn't be that hard to spot someone, unless they had truly vanished into thin air. Some scientists have already begun to look into the electromagnetic potential of quartz. Hopefully more quantum physics research will be conducted in the coming years to determine if these wormholes to alternate dimensions are really the force behind cases like Stacy's. Number five, Travis Walton. Countless UFO sightings have occurred in national parks across America, and many of them seem to directly coincide with the timing of disappearances. However, much of the information we have on extraterrestrial abductions comes from a man who claims to have been taken by a UFO and lived to tell the tale. In November, 1975, Travis Walton was working as a forester in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forests when he went missing for five days. He was eventually found unharmed, but the account he told of his alien abduction is deeply disturbing. His story goes as follows. He and some coworkers were riding in a truck through the park when they suddenly came across a flying saucer in the sky about a hundred feet off in the distance. It was emitting strange noises like buzzing and ear-piercing whistles. Despite his crew's warnings, Travis exited the car by himself to inspect the UFO and remembers being knocked out by a strong beam of light that shot out from the saucer while the other men in the car drove off to get help. However, they would later reveal that they already presumed him dead from the impact of the shock. The next thing he knew, he was slowly regaining consciousness in a pristine white room on what looked like a medical table. He was horrified to notice three odd creatures observing him coldly. They were shorter than any human he had seen and they all had no hair. He could tell they were a different species entirely. But when he tried to escape, they stopped him with force. He fought the creatures desperately searching for an escape when he was relieved to see another human enter the room. However, his relief was short-lived as the human only led him to another sinister empty room where two other humans ambushed him. The three aggressors then proceeded to anesthetize him with a mask over his face and though he tried to fight against the sleep, he eventually succumbed to it. After that, all he remembers is waking up back on earth, walking along a highway as he helplessly watched the UFO fly away in the distance. Walton's case set a precedent for the future of missing person theories, especially in national parks. If Walton's first-hand account wasn't enough, His coworkers all testified to the truth of his claims when it came to seeing the flying saucer and beam of light and none of them failed a polygraph test on these assertions. Since then, UFOs have become an important consideration that is often thrown into discussions of National Park cold cases. It would certainly explain the sudden disappearances that leave no trace and the motive of human experimentation seems a likely cause for aliens to kidnap these unsuspecting travelers. Luckily, Travis Walton made it back to tell his story of being abducted by a UFO. But who knows how many of the other 1,000 people who have gone missing from national parks met a similar fate, but never made it back.